0: when you live and identify inside the mind, you can have a tough time because it's just Now, if you can actually befriend your mind and see it as this beautiful logos, this amazing tool, this servant. Soul is the master, the mind is the servant. So once you understand that process, and you can only understand it through the body.
1: If I could give you one message, It could dramatically shift the direction of your life. I would tell you to visualize a world in which there was no judgment for the decisions you've made in the past, in which you weren't paralyzed by fear and you could make decisions that were in alignment with the life you desire to live. One in which you could speak only the truth of what exists on your heart. I would tell you to look at the life you're living now and reflect deeply on what you really wish could change. And I'll have you look down at the life you just created and the life you're living now. And I would get real close and I'd look you in the eye, that type of look that says, this is too important to let pass. Your life is too important to let pass. And I'd lean in and with your full attention on me and those two life paths, I'd say, you choose. Welcome to the You Choose podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garson Jr. I'm a former division one professional athlete turned men's mental health advocate. I'm a transformation coach, public speaker, and I'm the proud founder of the You Choose movement, which exists to equip young men with the tools and techniques to choose a life that is in alignment with their highest self. It is my greatest honor and privilege to be with you today the young man who is in a period of great transition in his life who's asking questions and seeking answers and on this podcast through a series of interviews with professional athletes men's coaches and self-help gurus we aim to educate equip and inspire you to bridge the gap between where you are and where you aspire to be so listen deeply and find yourself in the stories of those who've sat in your shoes and now walk In the areas in which you wish to walk. If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music he hears, however measured or far away. Today's guest is well and truly stepping to the music he hears, living and leading a life more unique than most, creating waves across a multitude of spaces while remaining at the forefront, of our rapidly evolving society. Kevin Arroz is a high-performance coach, a workshop and retreat facilitator, and a podcast host. He's also a performance philosopher, a folk psychologist, a spoken word poet, a public speaker, a freestyle MC, and the founder and CMO of lifestyle brand, Mystic Misfit. Using his multidisciplinary approach, Kevin guides his clients to break through in all manner of limiting beliefs, outdated modalities, and constricting paradigms to uncover their unique story and live their soul's purpose. His main focus is where the mind, body, and soul meet, developing spiritual abilities by mastering the science of life through magical and radical mindset techniques. Kevin plays dangerously at the intersection of Eastern wisdom, modern psychology, philosophy, mysticism, and neuroscience. And he helps men and women develop the practices that connect them deeper to their purpose and creativity. Kevin's also the co-author of the book, Sex, Masculinity, and God, which is written by three men of different existential style, belief, and desire, but three men united in struggle to understand the nature of sexual energy, the difficulties of masculine identity, and connection to some other or beyond the self. And at the core of it all, Kevin is on a quest to discover the optimal hero's journey map for modern men. And today, we're going to uncover what that map looks like from his current perspective. The masculine and feminine dynamic as well as freeing yourself to confidently and unwaveringly live and lead a life in alignment with your deepest values. So yet again, sit tight, listen deeply And wherever you are, choose to be fully present with us for the next 60 minutes, as there could be a moment today that will instigate one new choice. And like a domino effect, your life could begin to transform. So without further ado, Kevin Arrows, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here.
0: Beautiful, brother. Thank you for that epic intro. (laughs) Kevin, you know,
1: I shared with you a little bit off air. I've observed you from afar for quite a while now, and you fascinate me. You fascinate me the way you move through the world. And from my perspective, looking in, what I see is a man who has a deep inner knowing as to who he is. And I know like most of us, it's not always that way. And it has to start somewhere. And I wanna hear from you, where did it begin? So that we can now transition into understanding how you've cultivated such a deep knowing as to who you are.
0: I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's done. I'm still figuring mm-hmm. it out for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's cliche, but I was born this way and this is mm-hmm. innate. And I should say also that I'm an ordinary man. So, you know, extraordinary men, extraordinary people are actually just ordinary people. Yeah. And it's important to remember that. Um, and I am reminding myself, obviously. But uh, I can honestly say even from my youngest, yeah, moments of, you know, being a young boy, super curious, super imaginative, obsessed with, you know, learning about nature, learning about life. And yeah, yeah, I would say a big part of it was um, literature, reading literature, going deep into film, going deep into um, the imagination, even from like as early as I can remember is probably one of the main golden threads. Mm.
1: You know, as we know, those early years hold such a key piece of how we show up to the world. For you to be so creative and observant and uh, the way you've described it as, as a young boy, was that always encouraged?
0: Yes and no. I mean, it, starts with, it started with nature. Right, like being obsessed with nature, being obsessed with observing and collecting, you know, fossils and rocks and learning about biology and learning yeah. about, you know, the animal world. Yeah. And, you know, this just extended and extended and extended and basically extended to the point where, you know, it's the science of life or the study of humanity. And that's where like mythology comes in and literature, that's where psychology and philosophy come in. And, you know, mysticism and spirituality, which has deeply fascinated me for a long time.
1: Yeah. How does that relate? Like mysticism and psychology and and the spiritual world is, you know, you, myself included, have managed from my perspective, looking from the outside in to fully embrace every piece of, the world of mysticism and and psychology and spiritualism. And there's a lot of young men, the audience that I serve are young men that are still questioning. They're questioning their own understanding of of spirituality and and what to believe in and and where to place their attention. And, you know, for those guys, myself included in many moments on this journey, where do you begin and, and, and what do you speak to for them?
0: It's a very personal journey. So every man, every person, every human being has to relate to the divine in their own way. Mm. And the issue is, is that organized religion, for the most part, is extremely damaging to that journey because they just give you a canned answer. It's like you have a question, oh, they already answered it for you. Here you go, off the shelf. You can just take that and run with it.
2: Mm.
0: It doesn't work so great. And I, I know that journey from being raised Catholic, and I know that journey through many people I've worked with and, you know, ultimately it comes back to your own heart, that inner voice, which is always there. It's always present. You just have to connect with it. Yeah. Um, If you sit in nature, if you sit um, in meditation, if you go to beautiful spaces, you can do it through art. You can do it through dance. You can do it through prayer, silence, et cetera. Fasting. There's many, 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 many paths but you have to find yours. And that's like the ultimate thing. And it's cliche and everyone says it, but it actually is true. Yeah. So this is kind of where you have to, that's where the rubber meets the road.
1: So you said that, you said understanding this journey, obviously growing up Catholic. I also, similar to you, I grew up Catholic. What was that journey like for you of, of finding, I'm, I'm curious from a personal perspective here, of navigating that relationship and, and really building your own, your own foundation?
0: yeah, I mean, something in the Catholic religion, and I think Christianity, which I was most familiar with, but you find it in Islam, you find it in Buddhism, you find it in the major religions. And it is this light, it's this shining energy of truth. You know we want to move towards truth. We want to move towards wholeness, which we call the, we call the Godhead, God, goddess, whatever, the universe, is just the ultimate thing. And we all want to move towards it, because you know, there's something in human beings that we have to make meaning of reality. And this is the ultimate meaning.
2: Mm.
0: So it's very, it's very instinctual. And I would argue even atheists or agnostic folks um, are doing that in a different way. They're just doing it through negation. They're doing the same thing though. Um, And so it's just very human to do it. Catholicism for me, I could sense that I felt it. It was deeply, it spoke to me. Um, But yet the practice of it, the people... And the energy of shame, blame, and guilt I was experiencing was very damaging. And specifically around sexuality, specifically around, um, yeah, how you should live your life. Like, here's the set kind of way it goes, right? Yeah. And I bought very deeply into that. Out of fear. The fear of hell, the fear of, you know, eternal torment and being a bad boy. This is kind of their shtick. And you know, wanting to be a high achiever, wanting to do good and kind of wear that white knight kind of identity. That was what I went down. And this Mm. was a beautiful path of pain and awakening, but also very challenging. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which I'm probably preaching to the choir here.
1: (laughs) You are most definitely preaching to the choir. I want to speak a little bit about the sexuality side of it. And, And I know I've heard you speak a lot on that. What was the biggest maybe confusion in relation to sexuality? And, and then I suppose we'll dive in from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're a human being, you're a young man, right? Your testosterone comes along, you hit puberty, you're you're sexualized, you're a sexual being, right? And then, you know, these folks in robes or at the church are telling you, now, now, if you masturbate, if you have sex before marriage, if you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you will go to hell. And this loving God will punish you for all time. You know, it's like this, to, for a young person to hear that around their body and something that's extreme, like the most natural, sacred thing, sexuality, literally what yeah. has created each of us, literally the force of love manifest, mm. um, completely natural in, in the most basic sense, where it's yeah. the body, it's the primary real and platform of experience is your senses and your body. And to to shame that, you know, and it's right there in Genesis. The first thing that happens is Adam and Eve get in trouble, you know, Mm -hmm. they got to cover up and they're naked and erotic in this garden, eating a plant that's giving them, you know, vision and, and then they get, and they get in trouble. Right. And this is, this is really the issue and the codex of, you know, call it the empire, call it imperialism, call it the patriarchy, call it, um, the old world. Um, it, it has to control sexuality.
2: Mm.
0: And set the person against their body. And so I experienced this as oh fuck, I'm a sexual being. You know, I had girlfriends, but I was like, I can't have sex, right? Yeah, we can treat sex. We can cheat and do all this other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, cheat the rules, but we can't, you know, and this this idea really grew in me and grew in me. And it was all based in fear. Yeah. And yeah, and now I, I see how there's many layers of this. It's not just Christianity. There's many, many religions and non-religions that are practicing this kind of um, repression of the human body. Was there shame
1: around that for you at the time? Hundred percent. Yeah. And again, speaking in relation to personal experience and all the, and also those listening, no matter what you believe religiously, we hold a lot of shame as men surrounding our sexuality, what we can and can't do. And I think there's a lot of questions there which take us away from the inner knowing as to what is right for us and what is wrong for us. And as a result, we, we hold in. And I think we hold in more so because of the fear. You said fear, right? It's fear-based, but mainly fear-based surrounding the people that are closest to us. Was there a a community that you had to separate from
0: in order to become fully you? 100%. I mean, yeah. the, basic, the basic like pinnacle moment was the girl I'd been dating. I thought, you know, she's going to be my wife. I was completely in this naive, codependent fantasy world. And she cheated on me. Um, inside of our group, and everyone basically knew, you know, I was the last one to know because I was extremely like just blinders on. And because I projected so much energy into this, like, marriage scenario and, like, you know, having sex after marriage and this whole thing in university, it completely shattered my reality. And it also just, it, like, betrayed, not only, like, our betrayal is one thing, but it was, like, being a complete betrayal of this whole community. Um, That really started my journey. It kind of red-pilled me into oh shit, like so much of what I was banking on and assuming about my mm. reality was just completely bullshit. Mm. And this was kind of one of the best things that ever happened to me, even though it was like, you know, weeks of depression and insomnia and anxiety and I started to drink heavily. And, you know, all these things came up that were just the emotional pain of years of denying my desire as a man. Mm. And also playing into a codependent, And extremely isolating type of relationship Mm. that was based on, like, you know, very infantile ideas. Mm. And this is, this is part of that, you know, the shock of awakening. It's often very painful because most of us didn't have parents that had, you know, awareness around attachment styles or praised eroticism or taught, you know, healthy ways to relate to sexuality, to yourself, to others. You know, this is quite rare. Yeah. And it's not taught in school, obviously.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by this piece of this conversation. I want to dive deeper here into you said, you know, almost trapping our desire. I believe in my experience of of my own journey and and working with the men that I've worked with that so much of our unhealthy coping mechanisms and and our unhealthy Ways of showing up to the world and the pain that men have caused to society and to women and to ourselves for so long is a result of us trapping our innate desire and not feeling that we can fully express it. So, my question, I suppose, is how can we, in a healthy way, express the fullest of our desire without fear, as you said there?
0: I mean, the first step again, it comes back to self knowledge. Mm. You have to experience it for yourself and actually discover it. Mm. A lot of folks are walking around with program desires or desires that they think other people will approve of them having.
2: Yeah.
0: And their real desire may be something way different. They may think it's weird. They may think it, no one can receive it. They may think it's not okay. And this is part of that journey, is understanding and exploring and fucking up and experimenting with, mm. you know, what, what are your desires? What kind of relationship do you want to have? Mm. You know what is your essential libido calling you to do, mm. right? Like your creative energy. It's not always sexual, but it's it's that creative desire, life force energy.
1: Would you? Say it's so the most
0: precious thing.
1: Would you say step one then is just the courage to face yourself in in where you're at in this moment?
0: Yeah, that is step one, and obviously having a practice that you can go to, having a mentor, having a community helps immensely.
1: Mm. What was that like for you? How did you? You know, one of the biggest things for me, and I'm going to take a couple steps back here, in me finding, and I'm still finding, I'm still searching, right, as to what I believe and, and to as to who I really am innately and being able to express fully my, my desires. Um, one of the most difficult parts for me in my journey over the past three years has been as I've left the community that I know don't align with where I am, continuously finding myself back in that same community out of fear of being alone, right? Out of fear of just sitting in that middle space between finding the new people. And I see a lot of guys in that place. The fear of being alone leads them to women that they know they shouldn't be with communities, that they know they shouldn't be surrounding themselves with, people that they don't even enjoy being around. Right, In that middle gap, first and foremost, did you have that middle gap? And secondly, what is the process of being able to sit so deeply in that discomfort and then eventually inevitably searching and seeking out the community that does align with your your deepest beliefs?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, in the hero's journey, this is the departure from home, right? This is entering the unknown world—the desert, the wasteland, the forest, whatever you want to call it—and it's essential. And we all do it, even if we aren't conscious of it. Now, the ultimate thing there—the to, to notice—is just the fear of being alone, which is core, core human fear: the fear of separation from everything, right? The separation from God is maybe the, the deepest one, but it's the separation from. The community, which makes Mm -hmm. sense because as humans, you know, evolving over the last million years, if you didn't have a community, you're probably dead. That meant Mm -hmm. food, that meant a mate, that meant, you know, shelter, protection. So it's very deep in our DNA. And this doesn't mean you need to be like completely alone, but this is now in the modern sense an emotional or psychological aloneness because you need to be around the stimulation of society and people that make you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, I I went very extreme because the disillusionment I experienced. I also was, um, you know, starting to get into psychedelics and plant medicine. I was deep in philosophy. I was extremely curious and almost radical, where I was like, I'm going to surround myself with all kinds of people and I'm going to go into nature alone. And I was, you know, I was raised um, a Boy Scout and I went through all the way through Eagle Scout. So I had a lot of time in nature alone, you know, camping, canoeing, backpacking. Um, starting to learn meditation and yoga and martial arts. And it kind of just, you have to become friends with your mind, basically. Mm. And even more so friends with your heart and your soul, your spirit, Mm. whatever that is, right? And most people don't even know that it's there because they've never stopped to listen. Mm. And if you are truly loving yourself, this isn't like a bubble bath or like eating some chocolate. This is like, I love myself no matter what. Then when you're alone, there's not an issue because you're never alone. You're never actually alone. Even sitting in a mountain wilderness without humans anywhere, if you stop and you listen and you reach out with your senses and you become still, you're surrounded by life. And and inside of you, there's a multidimensional experience of oneness, of wholeness, whatever you want to call it. And that's just always there. It's just, it's very hard to sense that when you're driving around and going to a job and going through all these experiences in the human community. Yeah. So a lot of people just have never experienced that. Until you experience that, it'll be hard to know who you are. And if you don't know who you are at a core level, it'll be hard to surround yourself with people that support that.
1: I mean, a question that as young men, so few of us can answer, you know, who am I? It's a question that so few of us can answer. You spoke about aloneness there. And loneliness. And one of my favorite sayings has become exactly that. Feel lonely when you're alone, you're in bad company. And that's taught me to now experience that aloneness as you share there and, and recognizing that no matter where I am in the world, I have not only me, but the surrounding nature and everything going on in the world in unison around me. It took a while to get to that place. And I know for you, it probably took a while to get to that deep understanding for the guy listening right now. I know you say it's your own journey and you have to figure it out for the guy who's looking for one next step to avoid that loneliness and maybe step into the understanding of self-love and knowing himself. Where would you suggest you begin?
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to begin where you are in the journey. So that's the first step. It's like, where are you on the map? Mm. Are you completely alone? Are you in a hole? Are you crushing it and surrounded by people that maybe you don't enjoy, but you're successful, whatever. You're in a relationship, you're leaving one, you're starting one. Find where you are and then just start right there. Don't don't get ahead of yourself and be like, I want to be here and then just try to you know teleport. doesn't work that way. Mm. And then you got to realize yeah. that things that, men have always done to create powerful change are all available to you right now. And none of them cost that much money. Most of them are free. Mm. Um, have a practice of physical training. Have a practice of meditation or stillness. can be anything. Have a practice of reading and writing. So another reason I feel like I was always fine being alone for a lot of time and also what drew me into many of the quests I went on was studying great men and women and reading deeply. Read philosophy, read business books, read personal development, read religious books, whatever, you know, read fiction books. doesn't matter, read. It will will literally program you and you get to step into other people's worlds who have lived an entire life and gained some value from them. Absolutely incredible. And then you need to write. Write down your thoughts and ideas, even the painful ones. You will change them as you write them. Writing is magic. It's the oldest form of magic.
2: Mm. All the
0: gods of magic in Norse, Egyptian, Chinese mythology, they show up. They're like, I'm the god of magic. Think about Mercury, Thoth, whatever. And what do they do? They teach humans how to write. It's the first Mm. thing they all do. They're the gods of language. So gods are archetypes or, you know, concrescences of psychic energy that the human collective has created.
2: Yeah.
0: Writing is that. And so, you have to write. And then, in terms of community, just find a single person. Don't worry about finding, you know, Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright and jumping into a relationship or trying to find some tribe. Just find one person.
2: Mm.
0: And they might be online, and that's okay. Mm. And then be genuinely ready to share and open up. And if you want a good friend or you want an ally, be a good friend. Be mm. that ally for someone.
1: Mm.
0: And once you make one connection, it will spiral out.
1: Wow. I love that. I love all of that. One of the things I want to do is I want to go back to the first thing you said in relation to that, uh, that question. I want to further emphasize the importance of understanding where you are. That takes a high level of honesty with self. And the biggest tendency that we as men have is to lie to ourselves, to portray and create an identity in the eyes of others and in the eyes of ourselves that keep us from acknowledging and experiencing the pain that we're in, right? This, This deep inner feeling of, this fucking sucks where I am right now, but I'm willing and able to acknowledge that I'm here. And for every guy listening, I really want to emphasize the importance of that. We so often want to skip the steps. And 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 I did this for a long time. I jumped straight into meditation, like you said, and I'd listen to what you said about journaling and I'd listen to what you said about writing and I'd do all of the things without being honest as to where I am in this moment. And in turn, I kept getting cycled back to square one and cycled back to square one. Why are we so scared of being honest with ourselves?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the core thing I feel like humanity is facing right now Mm -hmm. and each individual has to face, which is just being radically honest. And, you know, my experience, it's painful because if you are truly honest and you know it at your core, then you know what to do and there's action or something you need to do. And most, a lot of people are afraid of that. And also, you know, it's, it's okay, and it's not wrong or bad. But a lot of people are addicted to being victims, or they enjoy being confused when actually the clarity is there with the honesty. But if you're clear, then there's nothing to stop you from doing the thing.
1: Mm.
0: Why, do the job, being, why do we enjoy being? Whatever it is, why do we enjoy
1: being confused so much? Why do we? Why do we like that? Why do we like playing the victim?
0: It's comfortable. It's a, it's a comfort zone. It's a safety blanket. And humanity as a whole has been conditioned in this way. So you shouldn't beat yourself up. This is a lot of how culture and religion and politicians and all these folks that are authorities actually entrain you from birth. Mm. Mm. And the society itself is in a very challenging position to to lead you to truth or honesty for yourself. It's almost impossible. Maybe it happens Mm. once in a while.
1: Is it really comfortable or is it the illusion of comfort that's been created in us? Because in my experience, that comfort is, that's painful yeah. to stay where you are.
0: So is it really comfort? No, I mean, it's, it's a type of comfort, but certainly mm. the, the pain of stagnancy or the pain of getting stuck is far worse than the pain of growth, which can mm. be challenging, but then is so rewarding and valuable as any person will tell you. Mm,
1: mm, mm. Mm. As I, uh, I'm going to go into a little bit of a different realm here. You touched on growth. And as I, when I began this journey for me, which I mean, I suppose it's been a never ending journey, but when I consciously began this journey of transitioning, I was very much in my masculine, right? Then, as I started to work with men and understand myself, I found myself very much in my feminine, almost to the point where I'd entirely shut off my masculine. And I heard you speak as I was prepping for this podcast. I heard you speak a lot on you found yourself that in the communities you were finding yourself in, and the place you were finding yourself in, a lot of the guys were feminine, right? and you had to ask yourself those questions surrounding, you know, femininity and 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 your own masculinity and, and finding the balance and I'm not a big believer of balance but I suppose what I want to ask you in relation to to me and and, and the femininity and masculinity is is like what is a healthy balance
0: that's a great question i mean the the logical kind of left brain answer would be 50 50 right it's just equal yeah but that doesn't exist in nature
2: yeah
0: almost never Maybe exist for a second and it's gone because it's a dynamic equilibrium, which means it's always changing, but it's always in harmony with itself, right? Mm. And so your masculine side, directed, linear, logical, clear, decisive, your feminine side, surrendered, feeling, sensing, trusting, nurturing. Every man has both, every woman has both. And you have to find your dynamic equilibrium. Mm. And there's seasons when you're awakening or healing or opening that the heart will come online and you'll be in the feminine yin. And that's okay.
2: Yeah, right. Other
0: times you're hustling or grinding and you need to get, complete a mission and you'll go full yang into the masculine. Mm. And that's, that's beautiful. Um, I tend to be yin very deeply and rest. You know, it's not that I'm being feminine, expressing femininity, but I'm just in that subtle energy of, of, of stillness like imagine a cat it's mainly just relaxing and holding its energy the lion and then it explodes into action and it can just get it done hunt move and if it needs to stay there and move in that very masculine energy it can and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I relate to it um, but I think every man has to find out for themselves and you know if you've never encountered your feminine or if you don't even believe like feminine you know what is that? Like, yeah you're gonna have a hard time when you first feel it When the pain comes up and the heart starts to open and your life is asking you to go into that energy, it'll be really difficult. And some men, you know, go very extreme, especially in the kind of new age type communities.
1: Yeah, yeah. Speaking on that, for those who have never experienced the feminine and really don't even know the difference and have been entirely in one or the other without knowing, when is it appropriate and healthy to be in either state? For example, let's begin with the masculine, right? In what instances is it healthy and appropriate to express a form of anger that for me, for example, for so long I suppressed? When is that healthy?
0: Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to figure that out in, in terms of context. So are you in a safe place? Is there consent? Are there boundaries if you're alone? You know, are you going to Express it in a healthy way. You know, hit a punching bag, hit a pillow, scream into, you know, the earth or like move your body in a certain way. Super healthy. Express the energy. It's what it's meant to do.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Now, if you're in public, you're with a partner, you're in traffic and you're going to express that anger at a person. Yeah, it's not going to be great. And this Mm -hmm. is a lot of the issues around the fear of men, the fear of rage and violence. It's because a lot of folks... Have no idea of practice or container on how mm. to express intense emotion in a mm. safe way. Mm. And so this is where I think martial arts comes in, which is huge. This is where, you know, having an emotional release practice or catharsis is huge. Yeah. And learning how to do that. And if you don't know how to do that, you know, you can find a, a man, a men's group that will help you do that. Yeah. And you have to kind of figure out the ways that your emotions do not express. This is emotional intelligence. This is yeah, part of yeah. how men can experience the feminine. Is yeah, trying I mean, to actually experience your emotions and not ignore them.
1: Can you touch on some of those just simple examples of those emotional release practices?
0: Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot through bioenergetics and the work of Wilhelm Reich, also in the Osho tradition, their meditations, which are quite extreme, but very effective which is extreme breathing, bastrika, breath of fire, hyperventilation. Um, it can involve pillows, like hitting pillows, full strength, you know, just releasing, screaming, crying, whatever you need to do. Shaking the body is extremely healthy. Mm. Um, earthing, grounding, getting on the earth, mm. cold water. Um, you know, there's, there's many, many, many ways you can go. You can do inquiry work and like find the belief and the emotion. You can do somatic work and, yeah. You know, move it somatically with a with, a, with a therapist or through, you know, physical practices that actually release it from the fascia. Yeah. It's like stored water that's storing emotion in your body and muscles and fascia. Right? Yeah. It's a whole rabbit hole. But the, the basic thing, I think, for a lot of men is just the two that we mostly suppress. And, you know, I've done years of men's work in person and online. And this is what you see every time. There's a layer of rage and hatred and, anger of you know either that's it's like I wasn't able to express it I need to express it or like fuck you you hurt me and it's like this energy yeah. and you have to let that go and so you need to scream you need to yell you need to move it's a lot easier to do with other men um, in a sacred container but you can't yeah. do it alone you know in yeah, your bedroom yeah. you can just beat this shit out of a pillow yeah. and do it with safety and, and like awareness but unleash mm. but then usually underneath that is the grief It's the sorrow. It's the sadness. Mm. And that's where you just need to cry. And you need to full body cry. Like not just like holding it back, like crying with your heart open. This can look like tremoring, weeping, you know, deep emotional release. And this is healing. The body will just naturally release toxins from the Mm. body. Move energy, build up your neurotransmitters. Heal yourselves, heal your psyche. It'll all happen naturally when you just let the emotion move. Think about a child. They have a temper tantrum, they rage out, they cry, and then they're relaxed. They're back into Buddha mode. They're little Buddhas because they just don't hold these things.
1: Yeah. Is that why we as men, I mean, on the whole, cry far less than women because we hold so much rage in? Is that, is that at the forefront?
0: I mean it's it's one theory I mean I, it, I guess it, it depends on the man and the woman I think there's plenty of women that also hold in these things because no one, no one was taught how to deal with their emotions. Emotions are the big, scary thing that no one can talk about and they're too uncomfortable to experience, but they're just energy mm. they're just happening mm. there's nothing wrong with them they're completely mm. healthy and normal
1: how do you how do you? Talk about them. I think this is a, to relate to the men here. How do you talk about them in a way that keeps you at a deeper place of, you know, I still know who I am and it doesn't weaken me in the eyes of other people and I can talk about this.
0: I mean, you just gotta, first off, back to the self-love and releasing shame. You just have to accept that you're feeling something mm. and just identify it. Hey, I'm feeling really angry right now. And I'm experiencing this X, Y, Z because of something I was said earlier. And just owning it. Full honesty and ownership. And obviously yeah. with a partner, with a with a close friend, with a colleague, if you can communicate that in a safe way, nonviolent communication, you know, mm. naming emotions, learning how to authentically relate them to others yeah. without making them your therapist, without making it their fault, but just really just presencing it, it will shift. Yeah. And sometimes you can just talk about it and it will just change. And, mm.
2: you know,
0: emotions are coming and then they're going, always. So it's like, yeah. sometimes you just need awareness. Yeah. Other times you need to experience it and express it. Mm.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: And how do you know the difference? I think as, 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 as I've evolved, the hardest part for me is knowing when I'm able to and when I need to express it and when I need to just sit with it. And not knowing when, and sometimes that leads me to sitting when I should be releasing, and sometimes that leads me to trying to release when i I really should just be sitting. How do you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one because it's yeah, it's, it's always different every time it's the nature of the feminine and the and the, na- the chaos of emotionality and all of that.
2: yeah
0: it's unknowable, it's very slippery, and it's beautiful. yeah. yeah. I mean, just, I, I would say just experiment. Sit with it until it feels good and then release if you mm. need to. You know, mm-hmm. and then if it's, you know, you'll just learn yourself and how to experience it. And, you know, some of the stoic mindset, if you read like Marcus Aurelius or Seneca and all these guys, yeah they're talking about, you know, with the intellect, the capital I, which is yeah. like the logos, yeah. just sitting and observing the emotion and maybe mm-hmm. not expressing it. Maybe mm. expressing it through physical training or fasting or experiencing nature, but not, you know, necessarily throwing a temper tantrum. So that's where some of the catharsis emotional release stuff can get tricky because it yeah. can become addictive or you just need to release release. And sometimes 100%. that's actually not. You need to actually sit with it fully. Mm.
1: Mm. So is there a point in which we release too quickly? Like I suppose this is where I'm going with this, is like if we release too quickly we don't get the time to fully process and understand what this is attempting to teach us right and there's a such a fine line between how long we hold on before it becomes harmful right so is there a level of pain that we are meant to allow ourselves to experience like is there a level of of hurt that we are meant to continue to sit with
0: I mean, I, I think so. They're always teaching. Nature wastes nothing. Evolution is so wise. The emotions are there, moving energy, their energy and motion. So they're doing something. And you got to let them do what they're, they're there to do. So they have a lot of information for you, not always verbal. And that's really where you got to get curious. In my experience, the emotions are so healing and beautiful when you just allow them to move and they will always move. Even if you resist them or try to trap them or ignore them, they'll just do their thing. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable because if you're not aware of it or you're trying to push it away, it'll do it in painful ways. But as long as it's moving, it's like water. When water gets stagnant, it'll get fucked up. So if you do stagnant emotion, you're in trouble. But if the water is flowing, you're going to have life.
1: So, I suppose so much of it is about being able to be still and just listen. I think that's one of the hardest things to do as a man I found early on, and, and I'm getting better at it now, but to just be still when the whole world is moving around you. We can talk about meditation and breathing. Are there any other ways that you've found to be able to tap into stillness so consistently? I mean, I see it in you on this call. You're like, you're just so still. And it's, I know you talked about before, extraordinary, ordinary, but it's also something to admire from somebody looking at, to aspiring to get to that level of stillness. What are some ways that you found to, to get there?
0: I mean, I may appear still, but my mind is constantly moving at quantum warp speed. And that's just, yeah, how I am. But it's also a gift because when you live and identify inside the mind, you can have a tough time because it's just Now, if you can actually befriend your mind and see it as this beautiful logos, this amazing tool, this servant, soul is the master. The mind is the servant. So once you understand that process, and you can only understand it through the body, in my experience, Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to do it by just imagining you know, transcendental ascension pathway that's outside of your body. It's all happening here. It's here right now. You're in a body for a reason. So you have to experience that. All the practices are just there, developed by these ancient people, these sages, these yogis, to... Just be vehicles. Mantra is just a vehicle. Breath is a vehicle. Yoga is a vehicle. Martial arts is a vehicle. To bring you to the, just the knowingness. Mm. At some point, you have to drop the vehicle or switch the vehicle. And all those things are tools and they're amazing. I've gone deep into them. Mm. And, you know, to this day, I use them sometimes, but I don't need the tools all the time. Mm. Because it just becomes the all-day meditation. You're constantly just in awareness. Yeah. You become loving awareness. Mm. And you know the number one is nature. Yeah. Put your feet on the earth. Swim in cold water. Have the sunlight touch your skin. Go alone into a forest. Go alone into a desert. Go alone into a mountain wilderness. And just sit and just listen. You don't need to do a fancy yoga or bring your Tony Robbins journal and sit. You know, just, just be there and just observe nature. Just sit and stare at running water. Watch animals, look at plants, smell the wind, touch the flowers. Like you, you will just instantly be transported to the place that's talked about in all these books, nirvana and heaven. Like It's just, it's there. Nature is it. And if you just get silent and alone in nature, it just happens. No phone.
1: Hmm. I love what you shared there. You said the soul is the master, the mind is the servant. I think we have it flipped, many of us, we have it flipped. that The mind is the master. Is that an education problem that we, that we get taught in schools to trust our mind and, and pay attention to our mind way more than our bodies?
0: 100%. This is, this is the legacy of thousands of years of folks in the West just really, really missing the point. Even guys like Aristotle, Descartes, you know, and I've studied all these guys. They're titans, legends, geniuses. But they went so deep into the left hemisphere of the brain and into materialism and just mind and science on a level that, yes, creates amazing technology and progress and incredible tools, power tools. We have these amazing tools like the internet and this technology. It's amazing what we've been able to create. But what are we creating it for?
2: Hmm.
0: And that's what has been forgotten. Hmm. And the the mainstream reality completely denies its existence. Intuition, the heart, the soul, non-physical reality, non-ordinary states of consciousness doesn't exist. Where's the proof? Show us. Hmm. The proof is here. It's facts, data, dates, history. Program these children with us so they can be in our consensus reality. Hmm. It's completely backwards.
1: So what are we creating it for?
0: I believe we are stewards on this planet, not conquerors. We're here on a garden world with all the beings that live in this world. And we're here to live in harmony. We're here to create meaning and be like the point species the steward the gardener on the garden planet and we can do that we can provide a you i mean this isn't even utopian this is just obvious when you sit in the wilderness when you talk to intelligent people when you talk to folks that have been living on the land when you listen to indigenous mythology when you sit in a plant medicine ceremony it becomes very clear what life's about It's about loving each other and living in harmony with nature. And that's it. All the other stuff is just fancy ways to play these human games, which are amazing. And some of those games are really important, but we can't destroy ourselves, destroy the family, destroy nature, destroy other beings Mm. in pursuit of these games, finance, war, religion, dogma, all these fucking games that humans have come up with. Yeah. If we're destroying our environment and ourselves in the pursuit of that, what is that? You have to get really curious around what is driving that? What is that really?
1: Is that why we pursue ego death, for example? Because so much of what we have come to know as society is based around winning and losing. Winning the war, winning the game, achieving the thing. And what you shared there, that has nothing to do with winning. That's just being. That's just being, as you shared, loving awareness. Is that why we pursue this ego death to just get back to that innate self?
0: Certainly, it's one way. I mean, you can't kill your ego. People, if you want to meet people who killed their ego, you can go to, you know, a mental asylum. Like, yeah. ego is healthy and important. It's part of your makeup, of your right. psyche, whatever you want to call it. Identity is important because that lets us coordinate with each other. Like, oh, that's your body. This is my body. Like, this is important to understand. Um, now, ego in right relationship is very different. Like temporary ego death, yeah. To reset, to clean it up, to get a reboot, great. Really, it's about coming into right relationship. Relationship to self, to community, to God, to nature, to each other. Like this is what all the all the indigenous folks teach. They all teach the same thing. These people that have kept these really old ways, live tribally listen to the teachers of nature. And this is what they all talk about. It's right relationship
1: mm. and the
0: circle of relations. It's the community network, the web of life. And the Western idea is that you're solo, you got to fight, you got to conquer to win. Winner takes all. This is a zero-sum game and it doesn't work. Mm. It's complete illusion. It's complete pathology.
2: Mm.
0: Created some dope stuff, you know, capitalism, technology, you know, the rampant neoliberal agenda of, Let's just extract and create everything and hyper specialize. It's it's great. You know, I can order anything online and it'll show up on my doorstep later today. Like Amazon is amazing. It's a miracle. Yeah. And again, what are we doing it for? Is it in right relationship?
1: So in in I suppose in modern society to survive you need some level of of combination. Right. With also a desire to achieve. And, and so, how do you combine the two while also being just this innate loving awareness, as you, as you, as I love that you, that you shared in that regard? How do you
0: combine the that's different? a Ramdas term, by the way? Gotta I know. I love that song. Master. I am loving
1: awareness. That's one of my favorite. My uh, favorite. East Forest. So mm,
0: good. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, this is. This is kind of the goal of humanity's evolution as far as I can see is learning to balance this. Balance right with the left, above and below, masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. It can still be a high achieving. You can still be extremely productive, creative, powerful, but you can do it with a guiding presence of life and an intuition of the heart and emotion and caring, caring for yourself as if you were someone you love. Caring for others with your decisions like, can you imagine if these multinational billionaire corporations, before they made a decision, considered all that? Wow, is this care for me? Is this care for my community? Is this care mm. for the earth and the plants and the trees? Does this care for humanity's growth? If that was the guiding focus of all these people's decisions, we'd have a radically different world overnight.
2: Mm.
0: And you know, I think we're getting there. It might take hundred years. We're getting there. And, and honestly, the pain of doing it the other way is so great that anyone who plays a game of profit, or I'm gonna cut throats, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stamp down on others, or I'm gonna take from nature and destroy. They're just, you know, they're in hell. That's hell. That's a disconnection. You can do it for a while. You can even temporarily win, but at the end of the day, we all know what happens you're sitting on your deathbed and you're alone and and it wasn't worth it. Talk to any of these guys that played it that way.
1: I don't know what to say after that. I think that's such a beautiful way to close out. And that's such a beautiful way for us to, to transition here. Um, So what I'm going to do now, as I shared with you off air, we take every single episode, we post five questions from the You Choose Brotherhood that guys have asked. Uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the five questions and then we're going to go back and we're going to take them one at a time. All right? Let me just pull. We have three questions today. All right? I'm going to pose the three questions then we're going to go back to the first one uh, and we'll take them one at a time, all right? So the first question, Jason, he's 24, he's from Texas. He said, what are the steps of feeling confident in yourself when no one else is validating you? Second question from Chad. He's from Florida. He's 19. He said, how do I find friends and people that get me when everyone around me now doesn't? I know we spoke about that briefly, but that'd be good for you to touch on. And the third one's anonymous. I want to move to a new city. And I know the only thing standing in my way is the fear of what my family are going to think, how can I still make the decision and trust that it's the right move? So those are the three. I'm going to go back to the top now and I'll start with Jason. He said, what are the steps of feeling confident in yourself when no one else is validating you?
0: You got to rack up small wins, gamify it,
2: Mm.
0: make it simple. Validate yourself. Why do you want validation from other people? That's the first question. Go deep into that. What do you actually want?
1: To hear the full answer to that question, as well as all the other answers to the questions I asked our guest today, head over to BillyGartonJr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads, count me in, fill out the information, and a member of my team will be sure to reach out to get you involved in the You Choose Brotherhood. Boy, will this brotherhood change your life. Community and connection meets courageous conversation, monthly mastermind calls, bi-monthly brotherhood check-ins, mini courses, and answers to some of your life's greatest questions. We have it all in here. Head over to BillyGartonJr.com. Scroll down to the section that reads, are you looking for a place to figure it all out? Click on the button that reads, count me in, fill out the information and a member of my team will be sure to reach out. Super excited to see you there. Beautiful, Kevin. One of the things that we've began doing with all our guests is this is obviously the You Choose podcast, the You Choose Brotherhood, the You Choose Movement. I greatly, I mean, I have even a bit tattooed on my wrist. You choose. I, I believe so deeply in the power of choice to transition. And so I want to pose to you. What does you choose mean to you?
0: Yeah, choice is, choice is everything. Free will. We have free will. So choose, use so, it, decide. To me, it's, it's your ultimate superpower.
1: Your ultimate superpower. I love it. Kevin, this has been incredible. You've shared so much, so much wisdom and so much truth from your, the perspective of where you stand. And it's definitely opened my eyes to to so many things. For people listening, where can they find you and how can they get more deeply involved with, with you and your work?
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you, Billy, and, you know, inviting me and love your podcast style also. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can find me through my name um, at Kevin J. Oros, O-R-O-S-Z, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the places. You can go to kevinoros.com. You know, at this point, I'm I'm really deep into Web3 and crypto. I write content for a Web3 company and host a podcast through them. And just I'm a deep student of, you know, the whole blockchain Web3 game right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of our best renaissances that's happening. Um, But I do one-on-one mentoring. I have two online courses that you can kind of take on your own. I start clients with, and then I prefer at this point to just do longer term containers, um, usually centered around business and helping people develop sales marketing strategies, usually helping other coaches or mentors or people that are client-based services, um, really up-level their business. And then also on the other side is deep archetypal work Mm -hmm. for singles and couples, you know, unlocking primal polarity, tantra deep sexuality and intimacy being met and also the shadow work of exploring the archetypes of wow. your being. Wow. I love it.
1: I love it. Well, Kevin, thank you so, so much from, from the deepest part of my heart, honestly, for, for showing up. I know we, we had to move this a few times and, and I've been incredibly looking forward to this, to this conversation and
0: um,
1: I'm just so grateful. So thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, brother.
1: To everybody else, I never would have thought that when we initially launched in season one, we'd have gone to the place we did. And now in these first few days of season two, when um, it's launch, to be where we are. And so I, I just want to share my deep gratitude for all of you guys who are subscribing, leaving reviews and, and supporting in immense ways. It is because of you that this podcast reaches the people it does that We get the response we do, and and I'm just so so grateful. So, thank you to those who have reviewed, subscribed, listened, shared, all of the things, and to those of you who have listened and 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 are gaining value from this. It would have mean so much to me if you could go and leave a review, go and subscribe. Your support is what pushes this podcast out to more people. So, thank you so much for being here. And as I always say, as we always close out this podcast. On top of everything we share, remember that it is down to a choice and a few simple choices could shift you from where you are to where you aspire to be. You choose. I'll see you all next week.